0: All right.
1: And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> okay. We're here. Episode 7. Whose crime is Episode anyway. 7. I know it's flying by. Are we sure? Has it been 7 <laughs>
0: episodes already? I know,
1: it's crazy. But we did want to just say like we really appreciate you guys tuning in each week and submitting your ratings. It really helps spread the love and for other true crime listeners to realize that we do exist.
0: We are here. We're ready. We're ready for ya. (laughs) And I have heard nothing about this case. I have no idea what's going to happen. Okay, this week, Lisa is sharing the story of an aspiring filmmaker who will eventually get his name in the headlines, but not quite the way he had envisioned. This story will be sure to make you second guess your next online date. This is about the Dexter wannabe Mark Twitchell. Take it away, girl.
1: So, good news: no children cases this week. Awesome. Cool. 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 Uh, Right. So mark Twitchell. he was born on july 4th 1979 in edmonton the capital city of alberta mark wanted to pursue his relentless passion for the film industry and wanted to produce blockbuster movies mark graduated from a radio and television program at the northern alberta institute of technology which is basically alberta's version of bcit so mark loved costume making and was a major star wars and sci-fi nerd his house was filled with Star Wars memorabilia, and he was constantly buying and selling figurines. Halloween was his favorite day of the year, and he loved immersing himself into his characters. So he was a nerd.
0: He was a huge nerd. nerd. Like, <laughs> mega
1: nerd. Yeah. Apparently he was actually really bullied in school Aww. growing up a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But, like, we don't give a shit. Oh, we don't give a shit. Okay? okay. No, we don't give a shit. Okay, cool. So,
1: he had a particular fixation on dark thriller movies and serial killers specifically dexter he even created a dexter morgan facebook profile stating that he was a filmmaker using a profile as an experiment and research for a dark thriller that he was working on and he would have these conversations with other dexter fans discussing their dark thoughts and fantasies about it if they were going to kill someone how would you do it Ooh, like these types of conversations dark. and he would be like oh do it like dex does do this and that
0: super I creepy. Know.
1: One of the women that he was talking to on Facebook, her name was Renee, she would later testify that to her these conversations were purely just for fun, and she was pretending. Mark's fantasies were not so lighthearted. His dark side was so consuming that he would later go on to try and emulate this world in real life.
0: Oh shit. Like a real life Dexter.
1: A real life Dexter. Want to be yeah, it's, Dexter. But he's not
0: a what is what was dexter a blood spatter analysis he was a blood spatter specialist by day yes and and murderer murderer by night
1: so just like a lot of us mark was into online dating and after graduating from nate in the year 2000 he met megan who was from colorado the two talked online for several months and then megan flew to edmonton and they got married
0: oh
1: i know okay so megan was 20 and mark was 21 at the time Megan recalls Mark as a charming, sweet, and smart guy, but soon after marrying, Megan would find out that Mark was not the man she thought he was. Mark had cheated on her several times and realized that he was a compulsive liar. He would even be lying about paying bills, and then the collection agency would call and Megan would have to deal with it.
0: Well, good, because that's what happens when you get married. Could you imagine,
1: though, like, getting a call one day or the bank showing up at your front door because, like, Steve wasn't paying the fucking mortgage payments and now the bank is repossessing your home? I would lose it. Right? Yeah. Like, I will never allow a spouse or a partner to be in charge of all the finances. So, as the marriage was falling apart, Megan also learned of Mark's obsession with the internet. He would create a variety of fake online profiles even as a woman, and he would just catfish people for fun in a bunch of chat rooms and dating sites. Megan thinks he just liked to get a kick out of screwing with people.
0: That is awful, right? Oh my god. What's wrong with you?
1: Get a life, buddy. What really horrified Megan was when Mark asked her if she had ever thought about killing someone. He admitted that he had thought about it and it would be a homeless person because no one would be able to connect them.
0: Okay, okay major red flag right i would lose it like real talk babe have you ever thought about killing a person not a normal conversation to no. have. no so
1: megan was absolutely terrified here she was so far away from home i was gonna say she grew up in colorado yeah she flew all the way over and moved here for him and now she's realizing that she really didn't know mark at all had she married a psychopath eventually megan did end the marriage in 2004 But it wasn't long until Mark was remarried again in 2005 to another woman, Jess, who he also met online. They soon had a baby girl, but his deceitful ways didn't end. Mark even bought them a house using fraudulent photoshopped documents. What? Like, how do you even get away with that? Like, that seems way too easy. Jess was constantly catching Mark in a lie, so she didn't trust Mark at all. They had a really unstable marriage, and they were even sleeping in separate rooms. They would go to couples therapy, and Mark lied and said that he was going to his own private sessions every week as well. One day, Jess caught Mark using an online dating site, specifically for people who were married and wanting to have an affair. So Mark quickly made up a story that this was purely research for a screenplay he was working on, But Jess was not easily convinced. So Mark went as far as to buy a disposable phone, hired an actor to answer this phone and speak with Jess. She thought she was talking to an investor, and the actor thought he was auditioning for a role in Mark's movie.
0: Come on. Right? But not gonna lie, like that's pretty smart. How would you? He just goes to crazy lengths To 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 make this lie actually real life right and
1: this whole making a movie thing and it's all for research you could do so many things yeah to just bank off of that oh it's just for the movie it's just for the movie mark had secretly quit his job so he could work on the screenplay he was planning to film several months would go by where mark would get up in the morning put his suit on and pretend to leave for work for the day but he was actually going to coffee shops to work on this screenplay. Then he would come home at the end of the day and talk about his fake workday and Jess had no idea. Mark was living off of investors' money during these months. Mark's plan was to film the screenplay in a detached garage that he had rented out. There was a house on the lot as well, but it was being rented out by other people. The film that he shot in that garage was called House of Cards, a story that Mark wrote and directed himself.
0: House of Cards? Yeah. Like the Netflix show? Well, had nothing to do with nothing that. Nothing to do with it. But he called it House of Cards. That's a terrible I mean, name.
1: Ter- because, awful.
0: I mean, it already association, exists. association, <laughs> with the
1: main character, yeah, too. Like, actually, terrible, <laughs>
0: but it already exists. Okay, so this was the plot.
1: Okay. A man meets a woman online. He is lured to a garage where he's murdered by a man in a hockey mask who plays a screenwriter who's working on a script about murder who then starts to do the killings for real. Oh my god. One week after filming this short film, Gilles Tetro, a 33-year-old high-tech contractor who had just moved to Edmonton from BC, had a date with a woman he had met online. Side note, his name is spelled G-I-L-E-S, Gilles. Yeah, and all the things that I listen to on this say Giles. Freaking episodes say
0: Giles, and I'm like, you guys! It's Gilles. Gilles Tetro. It's French. It's French. Go! No, French Canadian. It's fine.
1: So I'm just going to refer to him as Tetro. 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 Great. Keep it simple. Okay. So Tetro was recently separated and decided to try online dating with the hopes of finding love again. Tetro joined PlentyOfFish.com and was soon talking to a woman named Sheena an attractive blonde who seemed very smart and articulate. Sheena wanted to meet for dinner and a movie and asked if Tetra would come pick her up. She claimed she didn't want to give her phone number for her own safety because he could just be a weirdo, but instead she gave him these super weird yet specific instructions to go down a back alley that would take him to her garage. She didn't give him an actual address, literally step-by-step instructions on how to get to this garage, she told him it was the easiest way to access her suite and to go through the garage into the yard. I have the original email here and I'm going to read it out to you. Tell me if you think you would be able to find this stupid garage or if you would even want to after some chick sent you this. I'm gonna get in character here. So, okay, Friday. If you're coming from the north of Grote, get on Calgary Trail. And when you get to the south side, jump on White Mud, then go south on 50th Street. Take a right on 40 Ave, and after a block or two, take the very first right into the alley. It's marked by a yellow crosswalk sign, so pay attention. Then go left and pull into the only driveway on your left that isn't paved. LOL. Seriously, who ever heard of a driveway that looks like the Amazon? Whatever, it won't swallow your car, I promise. There's some garbage up against the fence and an old couch, but it might be gone by Friday, who knows. Like I said, the garage door will be open for you a touch. Don't worry about my neighbors thinking you're a burglar. Everyone knows there's nothing valuable in there. Except my car, of course. Oi. See you then, Sheena.
0: Oh my god. (laughs) A simple address would do. It also sounds like he might be walking to his death. For sure.
1: No phone number, no address. Just these fucking weird directions to a back alley garage so on friday october 3rd 2008 tetro arrives just after 7 pm as planned he pulls into the grassy overgrown driveway and sees the big garage door that sheena had left open for him but it's not open the whole way just enough for him to crouch down to get in so tetro enters the garage it's completely dark no lights on so he makes his way to the back of the garage when all of a sudden he's being jabbed from behind with a stun gun baton over and over again tetro falls to the floor and looks up to see a man standing over him wearing a black hockey mask and i feel really bad for him at this point because this is when he says in an interview that in this
0: moment he realizes that there's obviously no no date there's no sheena (laughs) there's no date oh poor jeal but he was really wanting a date he was so hopeful with a hockey mask though so uh, okay this is clearly not sheena (laughs) yeah clearly not sheena but also sounds kind of familiar from the screen from the screenplay i know so the
1: two are going at it in the dark and tetro can hardly throw punches due to the effects of the stun gun apparently stun guns don't electrocute you right away they just stun the muscle and then it takes a little while for that to actually kick in to like paralyze you basically okay so all of a sudden the masked man pulls out a gun and tells Tetro to get on the ground. Tetro listens and the masked man puts tape over his eyes. But something in that moment came over him and he's like fuck this shit and thinks, "No. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die my way."
0: Good for him. So go he, Tetro. Go Tetro.
1: <laughs> so he rips the tape off of his eyes, jumps up and reaches for the gun. And as soon as Tetro puts his hands on that gun, he's overcome With a surge of relief because that's when he realizes that the gun is fake oh my god right so he starts fighting back even harder and eventually makes a run for it and does a barrel roll under the garage door now he's outside at this point the effects of the stun gun are almost fully kicking in because tetro notices that his legs aren't working and he can't get up so now he's dragging himself down the driveway towards his truck and as if straight out of a nightmare, the masked man follows him, grabs his legs, and starts pulling him back towards the garage. Oh my
0: god. Like how and, oh, there's scary. and it's in this alleyway, right? It's in an so alley. no one's looking, probably, no one's seeing. No.
1: Tetro knew that if he was going back in that garage, he was dead. So fight or flight kicks in and he shakes his legs free and then notices a man and a woman walking down the street. Thank God! So he shouts out to them, Can you help me? This man is trying to rob me. They looked over and the masked man tried to pretend like they were just buddies and messing around and then starts to walk back to the garage. And the couple were so freaked out that they were the actual targets of the robbery, so they took off. Oh no. But when they got home, they did report it to police. This
0: is why you never yell robbery, you yell fire. Oh. Yeah, you yell fire. Apparently, if there's a fire, people's instincts are, they want are to, to save. So right. people run towards it to help you because they're like, oh no. You have I mean, to get people out of the fire and they'll come over because it's less of a threat to them. 100%. I are like, what would you have done if you were
1: walking down a street with Steve and you see this man on the ground and a guy wearing a mask and they're yelling at you to help them? Like, I'm not going to lie. I might, I probably would have walked away too. Like, I
0: definitely would have called the police, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I would have put myself put, in that situation. Yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly and that couple was interviewed later and
1: they said the female was saying I was terrified because if something happened to my boyfriend how was I going to help him? Right. She's like it just would have been so bad but either way they did call the cops when they got home and they reported it to the police. Even though this couple didn't come over to help it did provide Tetra with a window to escape and so he did using all his strength to climb back into his truck and sped away as fast as he could. Oh my god. Never looking back go tetro (laughs) holy shit it's like out of a nightmare when you can't move or you can't scream your legs physically will not do what you want them to do and this person is about to drag you back oh my god so when tetro got back to his apartment he logged onto his plenty of fish account to find that sheena's profile had been deleted of course it had taking their message history with it of course so Tetro decided not to report the incident because he was too ashamed and embarrassed about how badly he was duped into such a dangerous situation. And with no messaging trail with Sheena, he had no proof. Do you have any wild guesses who this masked man was? Oh, well,
0: <laughs> let me take one guess. Right,
1: so he, he was legit trying to play out the fucking movie in the exact same garage that it was shot in. He's really messed up. He's disgusting. So it's safe to say that Mark's Attempt at murder failed miserably, but this did not stop him from trying again. Mark went back online and created a brand new profile. This time he was going by the name of Jen. He begins luring his next victim, a 38 year old man named Johnny Altinger. Johnny worked in quality control and had a passion for computers and loved his two motorcycles like they were his babies. Johnny was very familiar with the online world, and he'd been using dating sites for quite a while. He was a gentle guy just looking for love. He was big into online gaming, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, and built many friendships from joining these online gaming communities. So after messaging back and forth with Jen for a few days, she invited him to her place with the exact same directions to the exact same garage.
0: Oh my God.
1: So on the night of October 10th, one week after the attack on Gilles, aka tetro Mm -hmm. johnny makes his way to jen's garage but before he got on the road he emailed a close friend about his date and told him about the instructions johnny's friend didn't have a good feeling and thought that it was weird that this chick didn't give johnny her phone number or an actual address so he told johnny to email him the instructions and to let him know when he got there johnny agreed and forwarded the directions his way good this was the smartest this is a thing smart move. right yes. his friend was really on the ball with this one side note boys and girls of the online dating world bumble hinge tinder always 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 tell someone who you are meeting and where you are going yes okay one take-home message here good rules to live by right mm-hmm. so here we are another friday night and mark is prepping his kill room for his second date with murder Johnny was told to arrive at 7pm, but Johnny is just too eager and throws a curveball and shows up a few minutes early. Mark is in the garage, but he
0: wasn't ready! Oh my (laughs)
1: god! So Johnny… Mark
0: is the worst! Mark is the worst! He's the worst!
1: (laughs) So Johnny walks up to the garage and pokes his head in and enters. He says, hello? Is anyone there? The plan is completely thrown off. So Mark has to improvise and emerges from the dark and starts pretending to be this super friendly guy saying, oh hey there, I'm a local filmmaker and I'm just uh, using the garage as a space to film my next movie. It's a thriller, you may have heard of me. I had a film in the such and such film festival. Then he shows Johnny around the garage, including his plastic gun. So Johnny was expecting to meet a woman in the garage and now there's a guy in the dark saying that he's filming a movie on murder. So Johnny asks, where's Jen? And Mark said something like, oh, she's just out, but she should be back
0: soon. Get out of there. Get
1: go. Yeah, get out. (laughs) So Johnny hesitates, but then says that he will just come back later once she gets home. So Johnny leaves and returns back home and sends Jen a message saying, hey, where are you? I showed up and there was some guy in your garage and you weren't home. 20 minutes later, Jen responds apologizing for being stuck in traffic, but that she's home now and he can come back.
0: No, Johnny. Don't do it, Johnny! Don't do it. You were already free. Ugh. All the bad signs. I know. But Ugh. like he's just he's just a lonely yeah, guy. He's a lonely guy. He's looking for love. So Johnny gets
1: ready to leave again, but not before sending an update to that friend of his telling him what happened and his last message wrote, she's home now. I'm heading over again. Hee he.
0: Oh no. So he was excited. Yeah. So
1: he goes back to the garage, expecting Jen to be there now. But when he enters again, he's faced with Mark, who is now ready and waiting for him. Fuck. Sadly, Johnny was not as lucky as Tetro, and he would never be seen again.
0: No johnny poor johnny boy did the friend follow up
1: yes so okay he actually had plans with this friend on the sunday so clearly johnny didn't show up they were supposed to take his motorcycles out and this was extremely out of character for johnny not to show up for his commitments johnny was not answering his phone or emails but the next day on monday johnny's friends and family received an email from him that just didn't sit right with them the email said, Hey there, I've met an extraordinary woman named Jen who was offered to take me on a nice long tropical vacation. We'll be staying in her winter home in Costa Rica. Phone number to follow soon. I won't be back in town until December 10th, but I will be checking my email periodically. See you around the holidays, Johnny. Johnny bullshit 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 bullshit
0: seriously
1: so johnny's boss also received an email of resignation on that monday johnny stated that he was offered another job that was too good to pass up and his boss kept trying to get a hold of him so he could get his information on where to send this like final paycheck to and johnny
0: never replied i'm assuming mark is sending these emails yeah But how is he getting access to Johnny's accounts? He took Johnny's keys back to his apartment and went into Johnny's
1: apartment. And lucky for him, Johnny's computer was still out. His accounts were still logged in. So he just had a fucking heyday. Oh my god. Yeah, just, you know, covering all his tracks. So Johnny's brother, Gary. (laughs) Gary. (laughs) Another Gary said that Johnny was a kind, honest man and would always follow through with plans and would never just leave like this. One of Mark's friend's wives messaged Johnny on Facebook on Wednesday, October 15th, stating that they were all super concerned for his well-being and that they need to hear his voice over the phone, or they're gonna have to get in contact with the local police. The next day, Johnny responds saying, there's no need to worry. He's having a great time on his vacation and just needed to get away for a while. He claimed the internet is much easier to use because there's such bad reception where he is and that he will get in touch with his friends soon. And in the meantime, to pass on the message that he's having the time of his life. Johnny's Facebook status was also updated and it said, I've got a one-way ticket to heaven and I'm not coming back.
0: This is awful. Why would you do that like you're just making things so much more dramatic but he's a and filmmaker I know, he's a screenwriter totally. lives for the drama so wants to play dramatic. the script out in his head the way he wants it to 100 percent
1: so johnny's friends grew even more worried so they decided to go break their way into his apartment they found his passport and empty luggage bags they also noticed in the parkade that johnny's two beloved motorcycles. Did not have their protective covers on them, something Johnny would have always put on if he was planning to leave town. The passport alone, yeah, of like you're—you know—he's you not anywhere. you can't go anywhere. Yeah, you go go anywhere. Through, you know, you're not on a plane going anywhere. So Johnny's friends went straight to the police, and a missing persons investigation was started. Police came to Johnny's apartment to look around and took his computer back to the station to search it. They searched through Johnny's accounts and messaging history and found the email exchange with his friend discussing his date with this girl and the directions to the garage. Good. So, of course, investigators located the garage and found the individual who was currently renting it, Mark Twitchell. So, on October 19th, nine days after Johnny's date, they asked Mark to come in for some questioning. Mark happily agreed and came by the station. The policeman asks Mark, when he began renting the garage and what the purpose of renting it was. The interview was videotaped and we have it here with us, so we're gonna share some clips.
2: Now, what, what have you been filming there? Have you been filming every day or what's been going on there? Nope. the, uh, well, most of my stuff is all pre-production. Uh, I knew that I was gonna use it as a location for filming, so I started, I mean, basically I began looking for something that was suitable mm-hmm. uh, in like late August. Yep. So uh, found that garage, found that it was an ideal location. It worked we great for what our purposes were, mm-hmm. and uh, rented it. The only time that we actually spent shooting in that place was the last weekend of September. The last weekend of September. So, yeah. Okay. We had uh, an evening shoot on Friday, okay. and that was for a couple of hours actually at someone else's house. It was downtown. We shot in our condo, and then all day Saturday is when we used the garage to film. Okay. So sorry my contact. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So all day Saturday we used to, to shoot in that garage area, and then the Sunday in the evening we filmed somewhere else. So yeah, for that purpose it was actually just the one day that we were there for actual shooting. Before that, uh, we were in and out throughout the month for production design purposes, which was building our set pieces, uh, getting things set up in there, power, that kind of thing, getting everything ready. Okay.
1: All of Mark's story about filming this movie was true. This was when he was filming House of Cards. He then goes on for several minutes talking about his passion for film and how it's always been a dream of his, so he chased it with everything he had. He sounds kind of braggy talking about the industry and using all this fancy filmmaking terminology. He's well-spoken. He is very well-spoken. He sounds very confident. So he said the last time that he was at the garage was during the day on the 10th to finish cleaning up from the film shoot the week prior. Mark noted that when he arrived at the garage, he didn't recognize the padlock, insinuating that someone had changed it. The policeman then tells Mark that they are looking for a missing man who was last heard going to meet a woman at the garage, but a man was there instead. Mark says he does not know Johnny and had never seen Johnny's red Mazda hatchback. He pretends to be super clueless and confused about what the cop is telling him.
2: And it was in and around the same sort of time frame that you were there. You know that he would have been there. Okay. Like in the afternoon. Really. Yeah. And he was supposed to go there and meet a girl who described the address and told her how to get there. Now hmm. this is really met through, a, you know, a, a, an internet uh, site. Okay. Doesn't know her from before. Yeah. So. Of course, lets yeah, friends. But yeah, well. yeah. right, right. 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 go to Sends right. it out to a few friends. All of a sudden, he disappears. Last known place was there. Said he went there. Met a guy. The girl wasn't there. Met a guy in the garage. In the garage? Apparently. Okay. Can you tell me? What what does it explain to you? Tell me what you're thinking. Well, it explains the foreign padlock. If he switched it out or something like that, that makes sense. Who switched it? Whoever this guy is. Well, he, he didn't switch it. anything. He went there and met met somebody there. Yeah. Okay, but that's what I mean. Like yeah. whoever he met there. Yeah. Because I don't know of anybody else that has access unless they, you know, accessed it themselves, pretty much. So, okay, let me get this straight. Yeah the guy who's missing yeah shows up to my garage right Fifty-seven, twelve, forty. At that yeah. claims to have been in it yeah and talk to a guy talk to another guy yeah so now there's two of them and then he leaves because the girl's out there that he's supposedly right leaving. okay. okay. And then he talks to her on the phone. I don't know that he talks to her on the phone or if he gets a message from her or which way that one was. Okay. Okay. He somehow ends up communicating with her and then comes back. Goes back to the garage to meet her. Okay.
0: Alright. I don't know about you, but I fully believed him in that. Well, he plays it really well because he's super calm. He's repeating what the officer is telling him to try Mm -hmm. to make it be like, okay, I'm processing all this information. It's all new to me. Let me get this straight. Mm -hmm. This is what you're telling me. Yeah, he plays it pretty cool, right? Not anything close to freaking Cody bullshit. Yeah, who was awful. So
1: bad. So this is like night and day. Now the cops believe this to be a homicide. The lead investigator, Sergeant Bill Clark, joins the team and wants to take a look at this interview video as well. He's an expert in interrogations, and he's really good at being able to tell if someone's telling the truth or not. And his conclusion was that Mark was, quote, up front and honest.
0: Okay, I have a question. Did they let him go after this? Yeah. He was. They, they let him go. They just he questioned him and he was released. He was
1: released and off their radar because he was just so clean cut, had an answer for everything. He's gone. But this is where I don't understand like what Mark was thinking at this point. The very next day, Mark emails the cop telling him that he had remembered something that he hadn't mentioned in the interview. He said that on Friday, October 10th, He was sitting at a gas station when a guy came up to him and asked if he wanted to buy a car, a red Mazda hatchback, which happened to be the exact same model as Johnny Altinger's. The man said to Mark that he had shacked up with, quote, a sugar mama and that she was going to buy him a new car. So Mark bought the red Mazda for $40. Why would he red flag himself like this? Like, you were off the radar. Why would you go
0: back and put yourself back into it like that? Well, because it's the drama. He (sighs) wants to be part of the show. He wants to insert himself. Oh my
1: god. So, sure enough, Mark became their prime suspect. And they called him in for a second interview. This time, Sergeant Clark was going to do the interrogating. Mark's body language and demeanor had completely changed since the first interview. He was soft-spoken, slouched in the couch, and looking down a lot. Like a kid in trouble.
3: Mm.
1: He knows what he did was wrong and he like can't look you in the eye, you know? Right. And he definitely wasn't the super chatty, confident man that we had just heard a few days ago. This is so
0: strange. It's so bizarre. Also, why would he keep the car? What? Get rid of the car. Get you rid idiot. of the car. Just dump the car and not link it to yourself. Don't say that you bought it. Why would you do
1: that? For forty dollars. Yeah, like nobody makes a transaction like this. Just doesn't happen. But they still didn't have any proof that Johnny was dead or that Mark had done anything. Sergeant Clark needed Mark to confess; otherwise, he was going to walk out of those doors again. Mark wasn't talking, but it was in Clark's gut that he knew Mark was involved, and they were going to eventually find out. At the end of the interview, he told Mark that he doesn't know how he'll be able to live with himself. And Mark responded, quote, You'd be surprised what I can live with. Dark. Mm-hmm. So, as the investigation continues, the homicide team found the incident report by that couple who never helped Gilles. The location matched, so the investigators assumed that this was a report on Johnny. Oh, so yeah. They, yeah, they're like, this is, this is it. This is the same spot. Right. They called the couple to follow up and realized that the report was called in one week before Johnny's disappearance. That's when they realized that there was a second potential victim. Cops turned to the public for help, and they released a statement that there may have been a second male victim lured by someone online. They waited and waited, and finally, Gilles Tetreau comes forward and shares the details of his attack. In the meantime, cops got a warrant to go search the garage and Mark's home. This is what they found inside the garage. Plastic coveralls and plastic bags, duct tape, a stun baton, a 12-piece game processing kit, including a Skinner knife, meat cleaver and saw, A long pipe with tape wrapped around one end as if used for a handle, and the tape was soaked in blood, and there was also blood and tissue embedded on the other end. Ammonia bottles, a 45-gallon steel barrel, a large rectangular metal table, a huge pool of blood on the floor as well as a pool of blood on a wooden table that were unmasked with luminol, And in Mark's basement, they found a black and gold hockey mask, a fake plastic gun, and drawings of a metal table that looked similar to the one in the garage. And then what they found in Mark's Pontiac was a jerry can in the trunk, blood in the trunk's lining, a hunting knife with blood on it, and a
0: black laptop. And they're going to find... Oh, they're going to dig deep. Yeah, they're going to go deep. So, okay... Okay, wait. I need to process okay. that this was all found in Mark's apartment. The- so he had cleaned up the blood, but the blood was seen with luminol. Luminol. So majority of the things that they found were in the
1: garage, and then just those last few things were found in his basement at home. Okay. And then in his car.
0: But... <sighs> I mean, if he knew that the police were onto him, it was pretty stupid to leave all of that stuff at his place. Well, it was. And in
1: the very first interview, we didn't play it for you, but he did say things that they would probably find in the garage like the game processing kit he's like that was part of the props for this movie that we we're oh. making we were gonna show our victim all of these knives and it was you know all of the things that were in there he was trying to say were props. for the
0: movie right props for the movie all for the movie
1: <sighs> this so, is a cover-up i know 2 days after seizing Mark's laptop, they discovered a 42-page document hiding in the trash can in his deleted files with the title SK Confessions. Upon reading this document, they would soon learn what SK stood for. Is it serial killer? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's Is, like it serial killer? Is it serial killer? Is it serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Woo. okay lay it on me okay
1: this story is based on true events the names and events were altered slightly to protect the guilty this is the story of my progression into becoming a serial killer like anyone just starting out in a new skill i had a bit of a trial and error in the beginning of my misadventures allow me to start from the beginning and you'll see what i mean I don't remember the exact place and time it was that I decided to become a serial killer, but I remember the sensation that hit me when I committed to the decision. It was a rush of pure euphoria. I felt lighter, less stressed if you will, at the freedom of the prospect. There was something about urgently exploring my dark side that greatly appealed to me, and I'm such a methodical planner and thinker, the very challenge itself was enticing to behold this was basically oh, a fucking diary my god I'm not kidding you this was a full-on word-for-word story that mark had written to a tee of his encounters with both tetro and Johnny 42 pages full confession 100% and it was written like a monologue so it sounds so much like an episode from Dexter if you've
0: ever watched the show have you seen it before i have i've seen maybe like four or five episodes It of always the starts season. with a monologue right yeah you
1: know like so he's talking about his marriages his mm-hmm. affairs and he talks about how he lured both men to the garage with a fake online account describes the attacks and in so much detail how he killed johnny and what he did with his body oh, no so mark describes his failed attempt with tetro For his second attempt, he opted out of using the stun gun baton. It didn't quite work as quickly as he expected, so this time, it was a steel pipe. He used this pipe to hit Johnny in the head multiple times, ultimately ending his life by stabbing him in the neck. It's just so sad because Johnny didn't have a fighting chance once he was struck with that pipe like, at least Jill, he was being hit in the face with hands, you know? He was being punched. Right. As soon as you're hit with metal pipes to your, you you got...
0: You're your down. head to, yeah. you're down. You're
1: down. So, Mark laid Johnny's body on a metal table sitting in the garage that had been covered in clear plastic sheets, much like the kill room you would see on Dexter. Mark spent the evening using a game processing kit, which is a kit of several knives that hunters use to dismember Johnny's body. Oh, you know. God. He initially put the body parts into a bag and inside a 45 gallon steel barrel. Then he took the barrel in his Pontiac over to his parents' backyard while they were working. Oh and then God. he tried to burn the contents of the barrel with gasoline, but it wouldn't burn because he's stupid and should know that you can't incinerate a body with just gasoline and fire.
0: It would take days and days and yeah, days. Yeah, bodies it, are so hard to it, burn. Yeah, and you it never just, gets hot enough. No. Yeah.
1: So he decided to kibosh that method, put the fire out, and took the bag with Johnny's remains back to the garage. This time, he dismembered the body parts into even smaller pieces, taking a knife and basically filleting pieces of tissue oh off God. of the... T- oh, no. I know, off no. of the bones and into smaller I don't pieces. like that. I know. It's gross. Like, the details were so hard to read. I normally don't get grossed out very easily. But I can talk about the nastiest things at dinner, and it doesn't faze me. But this, it made me sick. So much detail. The documents state that Johnny's remains were dumped into a sewer in a residential area. The homicide team went searching through all the sewers in the area, but came up with nothing. So, the team has everything they need to arrest Mark Twitchell. During the investigation, Mark was staying over at his parents' house. Obviously, because times are going to be real tough between you and your wife now that you're being accused of killing someone.
0: Is he still married? He's still married. Oh my god, he's still married to Jess at this yes. point. They just have a really shitty marriage. So she, she's he's, probably like, eh, whatever, like, he get does out. his thing. Yeah, so he's... And he has a daughter! Or is it a daughter? Yeah, he has a daughter. daughter.
1: So, for some reason... The cops apparently couldn't arrest him from there, from his parents' place, so they got creative and had a little fun with it at the same time. They created a fake
0: online profile oh my God, yes. pretending to
1: be a huge investor in one of Mark's screenplays, something like 50 grand. This would have been Mark's big break that he needed to make it to the big leagues. He was elated that this just fell into his lap. Oh. And he was, yeah, he's finally gonna make it, like, get his career off the ground. So Mark set up a time to meet with this person for coffee, a potential investor. He shows up to the meeting spot, and he's immediately taken down by a team of undercover policemen. I love this. Like, they gave Mark a taste of his own medicine, sucked him in with a fake profile. Throw
0: it back in his face. Sweet, sweet victory.
1: Ugh. Mark Twitchell was arrested on Halloween day of 2008, his favorite day of the year, for first-degree murder. Bye! (laughs) And there was a section in this SK confession that would later come back to slap him in the face. On page 36, Mark writes, It's an interesting feeling, driving around town with what used to be a human body bagged up in your trunk. No one has any idea that they are stopped at a light right next to a serial killer with what could very well be one of their friends' now sacks of meat parts in a hidden compartment. It made me wonder, in all my ten years of driving around, had I ever unknowingly passed a vehicle or sat parked at a red light next to someone, just like I would be one day? It blew my mind.
0: Oh my god. Also, he's not a serial killer. I know, he's killed one person. Yeah, like, stop even... He's not even a serial killer. No,
1: he's a wannabe serial killer. Oh my
0: god. Okay. I hate this guy. Poser. Not that we want to aspire to be serial killers ever. I'm not trying to encourage that. But even like, his ego is so
1: inflated. I know. God. The reason I'm bringing this up though is because I was dying listening to what the cops said to him in his final drive through the city. They didn't waste the opportunity to really rub it in and get their last word. I'm pretty sure it's Sergeant Clark's voice in the video.
3: It's interesting, we pull up to all these people today beside red lights and they have no idea what you've just done. That you're the guy that wanted to be a serial killer but got caught on his first kill. No idea. Kind of ironic. What else is ironic? I forgot to tell you this. It's a good one because you can find out anyway. You lured Johnny Altinger to his death on the internet by going to the Plenty of Fish website, setting up the fake ID with the woman from Ireland. Anyway, you make up the profile, using a woman from another city, just like you described in your diary. You lure him in to his death. And what's interesting is you got lured into your capture. We sucked you in on the internet. The guy you were gonna meet at the coffee shop? Undercover policeman. The guy you were bringing your portfolio to to try and get him to buy shares in your movie? Undercover policeman. Boy, is that ironic. You lured your victim in, we lured you. You were our prey, and we got you. So i got to thank you for that, Mark. Appreciate you uh, giving us the best case we've ever worked on. Appreciate you making nothing but bumbling errors to make it actually quite easy to catch you. Very easy to catch you. I want to thank you for that. I mean that sincerely. I'm not trying to be joked around, it, but it's just so funny. It's you can't help but laugh about it.
0: Oh, it's so good nothing but mumbling errors it's so good i love it they're so savage in the best right? way like they should oh god they should all be like that fuck you oh they just ridicule him you just
1: made it so easy thank you for being such a fuck up yeah after about a year and a half almost two years later mark finally drew out a map of where he left johnny altinger's remains and he gave it to the prosecutors. There was nothing in it for him. Cops didn't give him anything for the information, so I'm not sure why he gave it to them. But the sewer where he put the remains was literally a block or two from where the search team had stopped looking. Oh, shoot. I know, they were so close. And it was confirmed with nuclear and mitochondrial DNA to be the remains of Johnny Altinger. The trial went on, and I'm not even going to go into the details because Mark's defense is garbage and doesn't deserve the time of day in a nutshell he claimed that johnny was attacking him and it was all out of self-defense no
0: i don't accept i that. mean it wouldn't even fly
1: no it, it did not all. fly so on april 12 2011 mark twichell was sentenced to life for first degree murder bludgeoning stabbing and dismemberment of johnny altinger he appealed the conviction in february 2012 but then withdrew the appeal for some reason, and he will be serving his sentence in full, with no parole for 25 years. Bye Mark! Bye! So, jumping forward to a bit more current day, in 2017, news articles were released stating that Mark had again joined online dating, but for real this time. There is from no jail? from jail. There's no joke. A specific site for Canadian inmates who are searching Stop for love it. and companionship. Stop <laughs> it
0: right now. It's called Canadian Inmates Connect. I blew my mind. I mean, that's a big thing, though. I guess. women get off on I know. dating people in jail well, or serial killers. Ted Bundy Ted had Bundy. so
1: many admirers. But it's not
0: like I mean. Ugh.
1: Ugh no mark is no fucking ted I mean, bundy i mean ted bundy was gross too i yeah. honestly don't find him attractive. i didn't find him
0: attractive either no, I,
1: I didn't buy into it maybe in that day who you knows maybe back but, then that was like a, a look but um naturally i had to check this site out and the first thing that you see oh before my god entering. you went on the
0: site <laughs> no. yes, I went. I have to google see. is gonna know your search history now <laughs> oh, <fuck.
1: laughs> the first thing you see before entering is a disclaimer Basically they take no responsibility for any relationship that may develop and to proceed with caution because any information provided by an inmate is not verified by the site. Basically enter if you dare. But I had to see for myself what was in there. Click and I'm in. I was expecting to see profile pictures right away but it's a bunch of writing again telling you to do your own homework and google the inmate before you write your first letter. Oh, On the menu bar, there's different categories. Male inmates, female inmates, LGBTQ, testimonials, and even a section for inmates to submit poems, writings, and artwork as a way to express themselves. So there's a lot of
0: profiles on there. I, I mean, I guess inmates need love, too. For it just, sure. I mean, they're inmates, not all in there for the not, same exactly, reason. They're not all in there for murder. Mm-hmm. But... but <laughs> As I
1: was scrolling, there was a lot of murder. Oh, my God. Um, It was blowing my mind to see right in front of my face how many people had killed someone on this site just for the, yeah. like like it. It's just crazy. And it's all stuff that you hadn't heard of. These people haven't killed maybe multiple people to become a serial killer, but they've done it at least once. They're a murderer. They're a murderer. There's so many of them. This, oh. is
0: in- is- this, this is, is a canadian. Canadian site. this is a canadian yeah.
1: site so i was scrolling and scrolling for several minutes until i got to the very last profile only to find that mark's profile wasn't there anymore oh so i'm not sure why it was taken down however i was able to find his bio before oh yeah it i wanted to down. know his bio so i found this on a cbc article and it reads as follows I was tentative about reaching out because I thought I couldn't offer much and doubted anyone could look past my reputation to see the human being. But trying is definitely worthwhile if it means finding just one meaningful, mutually fulfilling friendship. My crime doesn't define who I am or represent me at all. I've made some terrible, regrettable choices in the past and I've come to terms with the consequences. Now I seek to infuse purpose into my life Connection is a huge part of that. My creative engine never slows, so I produce artwork constantly and craft novels or screenplays to manifest my relentless imagination. I'm insightful, passionate, and philosophical with a great sense of humor. I enjoy tennis, chess, and clever storytelling. I love the rain and the music of artists like Sia, Jackie Ivanko, and Arcade Fire. I'm looking for an interesting, intelligent, open minded, delightfully imperfect woman to relate to and share amusing observations with, as well as potentially a long weekend every few months if it gets there naturally. Ugh. So, who's going to be the lucky Rita 2.0? Oh my
0: god!
1: gross so i really wonder why it was taken down i wonder if it was because of all of the
0: articles that were on the internet about it and he was just receiving letters from people that did hate mail maybe did jess divorce him i mean he's on the dating site i'm sure she's oh yeah no i'm sure that they're divorced if he's on the dating site okay so the website was created by
1: a woman named melissa fazina after she noticed how popular it was in the states The idea behind it is that it helps lonely inmates connect with the outside world so they have some support when they are released from prison. The website states that the inmates are people too, and that sometimes they are forgotten by their friends and family who once were there for them. A previous inmate who actually used this website while incarcerated thinks it helped him and that it actually benefits the public by getting these guys more prepared for the real world by taking on responsibilities. He stated that it was also a good distraction from the negativity that can fester when you're locked up. And naturally, Staff Sergeant Bill Clark had his own opinions as well. He actually thinks this site puts the public at risk. He says, quote, We have a website facilitating the access of psychopaths to the general public. Let's face it, with Mark Twitchell, we've got a narcissistic psychopath, and I'm sure he'll be able to fool some woman into writing to him who will fall deeply, madly in love with him. The guy's a pathological liar. He's gonna say whatever he needs to suck any woman in that he wants to correspond with. Unfortunately, we have some vulnerable, gullible people out there who think these people can be changed and can be rehabilitated and they're the ones that can do it. We often see that
0: something ends up happening to them. I don't see any good that can come from it. I mean, it is at your own risk. I think people do know when they get into contact with an inmate especially if it's in a love relationship a romantic romantic intimate way there are going to be some risks because they are in jail for a reason Mm -hmm. especially if they're a murderer i feel like this site is not a bad idea
1: but it should be i don't know it doesn't they state on the site that it doesn't discriminate based on your crime but i think that it should
0: I think Maybe, it just, yeah. if
1: it depends on like how serious your crimes are like if you are a threat to people and you've got this killer side and it's hard, hard. why would they want Ugh. yeah like it's a scary <sighs> world out there I know so what's the take home message here guys um be careful online always tell your friends yes. where you're going and who you're meeting mm mm-hmm. mhm don't be super
0: gullible. Don't be super but gullible. Don't be closed off to love either. I know. Just maybe if someone gives you instructions to a really creepy garage in a back alley, mm. don't, don't meet them. Yeah, maybe not. Don't meet them. Move on to the next yeah, one. Yeah, there'll be other people out there who won't make you do that. There are plenty of fish in the sea. Ooh. <laughs> Good one.
1: I was in it. And right. uh, yeah, I really you wanted did a great to Great job. Give it to you guys. Good. Do you proud? Loved it. Thanks.
0: It was and a good one. Thanks. That was episode seven. Woo. If you like the show,
1: please rate and review us on iTunes. And feel free to share it with your friends. It really helps.
0: Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Whose Crime Is It Anyway? We'll be back next Friday with our next case. And follow us on Instagram at Crime Podcast. Bye. Toodles. <laughs> That was so good. Yeah. So proud of us. This guy Thanks. sounds like a total tool, but he's a shit.
1: Megan would find Mangid I can't fucking say mm-hmm. her name. <laughs> if you're coming from the north <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whoever heard <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: so good. Oh <laughs>
3: What else is ironic? Savage, but it's so, I mean, it's
1: savage, shooter, but yeah, it's so good.
0: Wondering if those people in the other mm. cars are driving next to <laughs> someone who wanted to be a serial <laughs> killer who got caught on his very first, first kill. kill. Yeah.
1: Loser. <laughs> Jackie and Vacho and Arcade
0: Fire. Avanco. Who the fuck is that? Oh,
2: shit.
3: I
0: know. Okay, this is the good part.